Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. I hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. Our first scripture reading today comes from Psalm 22, 1 to 2, 6 to 8, and 14 to 15. You will notice that this is something very similar uh, to what Jesus says in the scriptures when he is on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but find no rest. But I am a worm and not human, scorned by others and despised by the people. All who see me mock at me. They make mouths at me. They shake their heads. Commit your cause to the Lord. Let him deliver. Let him rescue the one in whom he delights. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Our second scripture comes from Isaiah chapter 43, uh, verses 18 through 19. It says, eight, don't worry, I'm not reading that much. 18 through 19. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The word of the Lord. I want to warn you before I start preaching that I brought with, my, with me a, not exactly a prop, but a helping thing. I tend to sweat quite a bit, and so I brought my sweat towel up here in case I get a little damp. So if you see that, don't, don't be alarmed. Recently, my fiance Ellen and I took a road trip across the country to the Grand Canyon. It was an amazing trip, and we got to see natural wonders beyond words, and things that no photo could capture and do justice. It took us nearly two full weeks. We drove through 10 states, and amazingly, at the end of it, she still loved me. (laughs) I honestly don't know how she could put up with me in such enclosed spaces, but that's not what this sermon is about. While we were at the Grand Canyon, we found this thing called a National Park Passport. It was this tiny book that had maps of all the different regions of the U.S. and outlined where all the national parks, all the national monuments, all the national historical sites, and so on, were located. The part that got us, though, was that at each of these sites, you could get a stamp, and half of the passport was blank pages for you to put those stamps on. Collecting stamps from awesome places sounded like a fun game to us. It's kind of like collecting Pokemon in Pokemon Go, but it's a little more real. On top of that, there were 10 different stamps that we could get at the Grand Canyon alone, so we would be off to a great start. So of course, we bought the passport. We collected all the Grand Canyon stamps we could, missing only one, and then started looking at our route home, seeing if we could pass by any national anythings to get more stamps. And lo and behold, we could. 
In fact, we started mapping out our routes based on what national parks and monuments we could get to. One day, our starting point and our ending point were a mere hour and a half away from each other, but we made a large backwards six around all of Arizona so that we could hit several national parks and one In-N-Out Burger. <clears throat> I had never had it before, so I was very curious. On this particular day, we went from the Grand Canyon to the Wapatki National Monument, to Sunset Crater Volcano National Monument, to the Walnut Canyon National Monument, Montezuma Castle National Monument, Tuzzigoot National Monument, in an outburger, like I said, Cruiser's Route 66 Cafe, and then finished in Flagstaff at an Airbnb we were staying at. Now, all of these stops were wonderful, and I would recommend that you go to any and all of them. But I want to focus on Sunset Crater National Monument. The story of Sunset Crater is that sometime in 1065, Sunset Crater Volcano erupted. The eruption formed a 1,120-foot cone in the air. Lava flowed 1.6 miles northwest, 6 miles northeast, 4 miles southeast, and produced a blanket of ash covering 810 square miles. About 1 billion tons of material, magma, and ash were extruded from this volcano. The Sinagua people who lived around the volcano at the time had to quickly evacuate their homes, and most of them never saw their homes again. Between the lava burning the vegetation around the mountain and the ash covering and choking out the life that wasn't burned, the area became a mountain devoid of life. No foliage grew there, and because there were no plants, there were no animals. Sometimes in life, we reach points of decimation. Something happens, and it's like our whole world completely blew up. A loved one dies. We lose our job. Our relationship ends. We get injured or ill, and it's as if a volcano has erupted and covered us in lava and ash. This is where the people of Israel were when they received the words from Isaiah that we read today. Isaiah 43 is speaking to the Jews under Babylonian rule, those who had been exiled and taken from their homes. You see, in 586 BC, the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Jerusalem. He tore down the city walls, demolished the temple, blinded the king of Judah, and killed his sons. He took most of the people to Babylon to live as exiles. They had seen their loved ones die, lost their homes, lost their livelihoods, and were now living as strangers in a strange land. It's fair to say that the Israelites were covered with lava and ash. But it is to these people that Isaiah speaks the words, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You see, God is a God of hope, constantly looking for life where we see only death, looking for light when all we can see is darkness, looking for sprouts when all we can see is ash. Maybe it's because I'm ordained now, or maybe it's because I've started to look for these moments so that I could use them in sermons like this. 
But while Ellen and I were at Sunset Crater National Park, I saw a specific tree and I had to stop. One tree in the ash stood out. This tree was dead. Well, it was half dead. From the ground, shooting up about 20 feet, was a completely dead tree. Rotted, dry, dead. But about two feet off the ground, from the trunk of that dead tree, shooting sideways and slowly curving upwards and reaching up past the top of the dead tree, was a vibrant, living pine. I spent a long time looking at this tree. I studied the trunk. Was it two trees that happened to just share the same space? No, it was one tree. It was one trunk. It was one being. A tree that had lived a fully grown 20-foot tree life was dead. But that wasn't the end. New life shot out of that dry wood. Where there was no life, sprang forth vibrant life. This caused me to start looking around at the rest of Sunset Crater, a place that had been devastated by a volcano 950 years ago. There were still many scars of that event. Lava rivers dried into rock, the ground covered in black ash and soot still, river beds running dry with sand. But there was something else, something I didn't see at first. There was life. There was life in that place of death. There were flowers springing up out of the rock rivers, trees and bushes shooting out of the black ash, birds singing in those trees, beautiful things made out of dust. As I saw all of this in one place, I was nearly brought to tears. This, I thought, this is us. This is God working in us. There are moments in life when it feels like a volcano has erupted. Grief covers us in ash when we lose a loved one. Our hearts burn with lava when we see injustices. The sky is black with soot when we hear of yet another senseless murder of a black man, of a police officer, or of innocence in a parade, or innocence at a hospital. We feel dried up and rotted when we give in to that vice we have that we just can't seem to shake. Our world shakes and crumbles and burns and we ask how? How can I possibly go on? How can we endure this? We say to ourselves, this is it. I'm done. I am dead. I am over. It is in these moments that my sister comes into my mind. Mostly because she is one of the people in my life who I can always turn to, and because she is a wonderfully empathetic and compassionate person. But also, and more specifically, because of her tattoo. My sister has words from an Alice Walker poem tattooed on her left forearm. This poem is called My Friend Yeshi, and I would like to read it to you now. My friend Yeshi, one of the finest midwives anywhere, spent a whole season toward the middle of her life wondering what to do with herself. I could not understand or even believe her quandary. Now thank goodness she's over it. Women come to her full, babies drop to her hand. 
It is all just the way it is. Sometimes life seizes up. Nothing stirs. Nothing flows. We think climbing this rough tree and all the time the rope looped over a rotten branch. We think, why did I choose this path anyway? Nothing at the end but sheer cliff and rock-filled sea. We do not know, have no clue, what more might come. It is the same, though, with the earth. Every day she makes all she can. It is all she knows. It is all she can possibly do. And then empty. The one time she is flat, she thinks, I am used up. It is winter all the time now. Nothing much to do but self-destruct. But then, in the night, in the darkness we love so much, she lies down like the rest of us to sleep. And angels come, as they do to us, and give her fresh dreams. They are really always the old ones blooming further. She rises, rolls over, gives herself a couple of new kinds of grain, a few dozen unusual flowers, a playful spin on a spider's web called the internet. Who knows where the newness of old life comes from? Suddenly it appears. Babies are caught by hands they assumed were always waiting. Ink streaks from a pen left dusty on the shelf. This is the true wine of astonishment. We are not over when we think we are. We are not over when we think we are. Those are the words on my sister's arm. We are not over when we think we are. Those are the words that ring in my head when life becomes more than I can bear. We are not over when we think we are. Those are the words that Isaiah spoke to the Jews so long ago. We are not over when we think we are. Those are the words that came alive for me in Sunset Crater. You are not over when you think you are. Those are God's words to you. When you are covered in grief, burned out on this world, when pain and terror have come to your door and you do not think that you can go on, when you think that all you are is your job and when you lose your job, you feel like you have lost something of yourself. When you are living with the disappointment that you didn't turn out to be the person that you thought or the person that someone else thought that you should be. When you are beating yourself up again because you did it again, whatever it is, you say to yourself, why can't I just stop? Why can't I be better? When you think that there is no redemption for you, when you think that there is no life for you, when you think that there is no hope for you, you are not over when you think you are. You see, in 539 BC, Israel went back to Jerusalem. They rebuilt the city, they rebuilt the temple, then they started again. Sunset Crater is beaming with life after being ravaged by a volcano eruption. Yes, she found her way again after a brief walk in the desert, and you are not over when you think you are. Now, I don't want you to mishear me, and I don't want you to get it twisted. I am not saying that God will wipe away the hurt, that God will make it as though this pain never happened. No the Jews came back to a destroyed Jerusalem. Sunset Crater is still full of ash and soot. God does not wave a magical wand and make everything perfect. What I am saying is that God is always working for new life. That God is always working for rebirth and renewal and redemption. But it is work. There will be scars from these moments. 
You will be forever changed by the eruption of your personal volcano, but God will continue to work in you and with you to remind you that no matter how much ash has fallen, no matter how much lava has flowed, that you are not over when you think you are. Now, I'm going to try something here that you are probably not comfortable with. But I have a feeling that you need to hear this message from more than just me today. So I need you to turn to your neighbor today. Look them in the eye. Yes, actually turn and look each other in the eye at this moment and say, neighbor. Oh, you guys can do much better than that. You say, neighbor. You are not over when you think you are. That's right. Now find another neighbor. Someone else in the same row, someone behind you, someone in front of you. Look them in the eye and say, neighbor, you are not over when you think you are. That is right. Because we have a God who believes in redemption. We have a God who believes in hope. We have a God who believes in new life. And we have a God who believes in you. God believes that you are not over when you think you are. God is constantly working in your life, with you, not against you. God wants to take that dust, that ash, that volcanic rock, and make something beautiful out of it. God sees you in your pain and in your sorrow and wants to bring splendor and joy. God sees you saying, I am an old tree that has ran its course. I am dried up and dead. And God says, not yet. Let's shoot out and go a new way. God is constantly saying, look, I am doing a new thing in you. I will make a way in your wilderness and rivers in your desert. Yes, we have a God that believes so much in life, so much in hope, that not even death can separate us from the love of God. Not even death can stop the eternal life we have with God. Death does not win. Death does not have the final word. No, that belongs to God. God's word is hope. God's word is life. God's word is redemption, and God's word is love. Let us believe in these words and know that God is always working for life in our lives and that we are not over when we think we are. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.fpcah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.